Ulterior. Yo, what is good, everybody? Why did that have a fucking YouTube as intro? Whatever. Anyways, this is the second part of the ongoing series about my top 50 favorite records of the year. So part one was already uploaded. That covered records 50 to 41. And then now today, part two, I'll be looking at records 40 to 31. Thank you so much. Thank you for tapping in. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Number 40 is Mother by Veil of Maya. We were on like a six year wait for new material or like a full length from Veil of Maya. I believe 2017 was when False Idol came out and it was a wait that I believe people had enough substance from the band to kind of hold them off over. Uh, I know plenty of people just loved OutRun and all the other singles that came out. And I did as well, but, you know, there's really nothing that beats being able to have a brand new full length from a band as admirable and well-respected in the scene as Veil of Maya. And I do believe that Mother was more than worth the wait. And this is a record that, uh, you know, even if I didn't think about it constantly throughout the year, I still found myself at times being like, you know what I want to hear right now? Fucking Tokyo Chainsaw, Disco Kill Party, that type of shit. And I believe that... This record has enough variety laced throughout it to where it's very hard for myself to become bored or feel like anything within the album is stagnant. I think Tokyo Chainsaw is a stellar opening song. And then Artificial Dose, you have the like the the heaviness of LMI that you come to expect, and then a clean course section that really allows the ideas of the album to be very flushed out. Um, I mentioned Disco Kill Party. That song is very adjacent to Crabcore, and you know that might be off-putting to some people, but for myself, as somebody who grew up a Crabcore merchant as an adolescent, I I genuinely could not get enough of this song. And overall, Mother is a sensational album and one that I would hope that any Veil of Maya fan who is waiting extensively for this album, they were satisfied with the finished result. Number 39 is Between Death and Dreams by Brand of Sacrifice. Four songs and 16 minutes of just a straight up ass beating. That is what this EP provided to all of us. And it was also a chance for myself to really make sure to give Brand of Sacrifice the proper spotlight that they have more than earned at this point. Because 2021 was the first year that I did, you know, the year end list for the show. 
and I did not have lifeblood in that list. And I have thought back to, you know, how that was likely a miss on my end because lifeblood is a marvelous fucking record. And in that same breath, I think between death and dreams is the perfect EP to not only kind of maybe you know, introduce somebody new to Brand of Sacrifice, but also let us existing fans of the band know what the direction of the band looks like. And what that direction looks like is flooded with some of the best production that you can find anywhere right now in the scene. I think the infiltration of like these electronic moments here and there in the composition of the songs like Blinded and Exodus, they were the like, this is really what Brand of Sacrifice needed this year to make sure that they stay, like, on the tips of everybody's tongue, and I believe that there is even more to come from them in the future, and big things at that. Brand of Sacrifice will continue to run the world. Number 38 is What If I Break by Windwalkers. So this is one of the most recent records uh, to make this list, and for that reason, I might not have like too many extensive thoughts on What If I Break, given that I did just review it on a recent episode, but what I will say about it is that Windwalkers needed an album of this quality this year because of some shit that had happened in recent years with a former vocalist, the one who was part of The Lost Boys, and What If I Break showed that the band is not only like back on a proper trajectory, but they could be better than ever, just, you know, all things considered. I feel like this album, it has so many layers to it that it's easy to navigate, but also very hard to like kind of put into a box of any kind because you have songs on here like The Overlook and Drowning Hymns, which I would say they're very, uh, like they're very much so in the common territory of bands like Bad Omens, Catch a Breath, Until I Wake. But then there's also a song like Body Bag, which it's very the home team-esque. I really believe that Windwalkers found a way to kind of mix pop rock elements with post-hardcore with alternative rock in a very efficient manner. And then you have uh, Almost Ecstasy and Dissipate, which I think are two of the best songs of the whole year. And for all those reasons outlined, What If I Break was a tremendous success for Windwalkers. And again, I am very, very happy that they were able to find their footing with this record. Number 37 is God Made Me an Animal by Better Lovers. One fucking thousand percent, absolutely, Better Lovers is one of the best new projects that we got to see in 2023, and it's really no surprise given like who's actually in the band, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again, Better Lovers is made up of every former member of Every Time I Die, except for Keith and Andy, uh, Will Putney from bands like Fiffer and Autopsy and End. And then Greg Pachado from the Dillinger Escape Plan. 
and this EP sounds exactly like what you think it would given the minds and the creative spirits involved in putting together God Made Me an Animal. And there is just something very like off the walls and chaotic about this EP and it was so easy for them to stick the landing on every song and not just on the EP or in studio but I got to watch Better Lovers live when they opened for The Ghost Inside and Under Oath and watching them play all four songs from this EP it added like new personality and new character to each song being able to be in the audience and see for myself how everybody in the band like moved around during the sets the cadence and body language of theirs it really did help elevate this ep for myself and again when you take all of these very established veterans of the scene and put them into one room to make music you're going to get something very chaotic and apoplectic and that is perfect for better lovers number 36 is ferality by unity tx Man, this whole album and the whole band for that matter is just so much fun. And I feel like fun is the main pitch of the record and it is what stuck out to me the most and just how like I was able to vibe with every song on Ferality in a way that I always knew Unity TX was capable of but this was the first release of theirs that I felt like I was able to truly connect with and in the moments of getting to hear songs like Rotting Away and Burnout everything just really made sense to me about Unity TX and who they are. I felt like rotting away the initial buildup of that song that is like kind of very like anticipatory of what is to come. That was the perfect way to start off the record. And uh, Shaolin G, shout out to him. Like he has some of the most standout moments on this album out of any vocalist in the scene this year. I mentioned rotting away and burnout and I would even throw sting in there to kind of make my point. Unity TX on Ferality showed off a lot of prowess in the new metal realm of their sound and identity and these songs have like this brooding nature to them but when they erupt they are just like these songs are meant to be played at parties this is a party anthem of an album and there was no moment on here that really highlighted that better than the song uh, rock shit which was a, a song that i've been able to sing the praises of ever since first hearing it back in july of this year and just so many moments on ferality really speak to what it is about unity tx that makes them stand out and what makes them so vital to the scene and if you haven't checked out this album please do so if you ever have the chance to see unity tx live you need to go and make sure that you're supporting them because i got to see them when they were supporting current and the energy that this band brings into a room and that kind of atmosphere that they command it is remarkable and definitely a good ass fucking time Number 35 is No Love Lost by Year of the Knife.
So first thing is first when it comes to speaking about Year of the Knife, and I don't want this entry to be focused on this or really harp on this matter, but it's very hard to mention Year of the Knife in 2023 without you know, bringing up what it is that surrounds them this year. And that was a really verbose and expansive way to say that Year of the Knife had a really, really bad van accident back in June. And the fact that every member of Year of the Knife is, you know, still with us and able to be on the road to recovery that they are on, that is, it's very miracle-esque. And I give every bit of love and adoration to all of the members of Year of the Knife. And I continue to root for them and champion their recovery. And all of the proceeds for uh, made from No Love Loss are going to the band's recovery efforts. So please uh, consider supporting Year of the Knife uh, monetarily because what happened to them this year, you never want to see it happen to anybody in music or any other industry. It was a situation that, uh, again, I'm just very, very happy that the band members were able to work their way towards recovery from. And to get into the actual music that comprises No Love Lost, what you have here is a 20-minute record that kind of flies by, but in that span of time, you still get every element of Year of the Knife that has brought them to the point that they're at right now as one of the most revered bands in the scene. And no matter what style it is that they're really venturing through, whether it's metalcore, hardcore, deathcore, thrash metal, like there are legitimately those kinds of influences spread all throughout No Love Loss. And each song that passes by, Mourning the Living, Alice, Your Control, just each song has a, a different cadence to it and a different side of this band but at the end of the runtime the one thing that is prevailing more than anything anything else in my head is just how fucking talented year of the knife really are and how hard i am rooting for them to one day be able to return to this spot and kind of you know for lack of a better way of phrasing it reclaim their livelihood number 34 is hope is a cult by solence Something that I tried to venture away from because I understood that I did this very often was giving records tens. And not that, you know, records don't deserve to be treated as perfect, but I believe that in season one and two of this show and the social media reviews, I was probably very laxed and lenient when it came to giving records tens as like a in the moment thing and as time progressed I might have been like you know what maybe that wasn't a 10 maybe it was a 9 or an 8 and you know kind of having to move forward with that regret per se and so I really wanted to try to not give so many records 10s this year, and I really didn't want to give a record a 10 so early into the year. But then Solence came around and dropped Hope is a Cult, and I really felt like I had my hand forced 
just because of the quality of this album and how just adventurous it sounds and the chances taken on each song and in like the five song opening stretch every track has its own unique personality and that is a constant trend throughout the entire track list uh rain down which is the opener has like this very anthemic and arena ready rock sound to it like the riffs in that track are just so infectious Best for You sounds like it could have been a part of That's the Spirit. Demons has a lot of electronic influence put into it, a la Enter Shikari. Um, Antidote has one of the most singable choruses of the entire year. And then there is the song Waves, which I have kind of raved before as being my favorite song on Hope is a Cult and overall one of the best songs of the year. And when I hear songs like this, like they just resonate with me. And uh, again, I didn't want to concede so early into the year about me deeming a record to be perfect, but that was back in February. I gave this album a 10. And then now in December, I am still affirm in my belief about Hope is a Cult being a perfect record from a band who just had a perfect output of quality this year. Number 33 is Coping Mechanisms by Here's To Now. This is one of the more low-key releases on this list, but... What I have noticed in the past couple months is the consistent rise of Here's to Now, and I noticed the Spotify numbers going up. They're about at 11K right now for my listeners, and I love to see it, man, because Here's to Now made me a believer this year, and it was so easy for me to, you know, be able to have coping mechanisms stick with me all the way from the end of July to now and regard it as one of the 50 best records I got to listen to all year long. And if I had to sum up the sound of Here's to Now to you guys, assuming that most of you, if not all of you, have not heard of this band before, they are post-hardcore done in so many different ways. And what I mean by that is you have the kind of heavier side of post-hardcore throughout songs like Prisoner and uh, Disassociate. And I would say that these songs kind of make me think about, let's say like if Picturesque had a heavier flair to their sound. That's what I get out of those tracks. Um, there is the song, I'll Be the One to Live in Shame, that is very acoustic-based, and it doesn't feel distant from anything else happening on this EP. It is a very solid acoustic track that belongs where it stands. And then songs like 6030 and Look Back Twice, they embrace the poppier side of Pulse Hardcore, and no matter what realm it really is that Here's to Now is dipping their toes into, they proved over the course of six songs on this EP that they are on their way to mastering each and every sound that they can possibly want to venture through, and like I said already, they made me a believer this year. I want to see more out of Here's to Now in the future, and I think Coping Mechanism will be something that I look back on in the future as the launching pad for one of my favorite bands of the future. Number 32 is From Joy by From Joy. Really 
this is a weird fucking album, man. I can't cap. And I've had since April now by this point to really figure out what it is about From Joy that has been able to lure me into their fan base. And I still feel like trying to find the words to describe the sound of From Joy is a hopeless effort and nothing that I can possibly say will really be able to convey exactly what it is that this album sounds like and the emotions that it was able to bring out of me because it would be so easy to say like yeah there are parts of From Joy that are metalcore or hardcore but it's a lot more detailed and intricate than that. A lot of the base of From Joy is built on calamity but it is calamity that always manages to kind of center and circle back to the main point of the song. And for those reasons, nothing here actually feels like super discombobulated, but it is still hard to really express what it is about From Joy that is, you know, sensational. You do get a couple songs on the track list that descend into just pure chaos, like Morbidly Perfect and Machine. And, you know, I would say that these songs kind of do their best at summarizing what it is that From Joy brings to the table, but then you have some songs like uh, Helios, and even though that's kind of treated as an interlude, it's one of the strangest bits of music I've ever heard, because it feels like hardcore jazz, and not like the two mixing it together, the two genres acting in unison of one another, they exist at the same time and not as an amalgamation. Um, of the Shape of Hearts and Humans was my favorite song at the time of reviewing From Joy, and I would say that it still is now, and I think what it is about that song specifically that really gets to me is how very like slow and ominous it is. It feels and sounds like a cry for help, but it is a cry for help that is masked with these very dark layers that From Joy have carefully placed into that song. And there are, you know, kind of speaking to that, there are so many more layers of From Joy that I feel like I am still working my way through all these months later. And I don't know how long it's really going to take for me to be able to dissect this album to the point where I feel confident in my words about it. But what I can say definitively right now is that from Joy is one of the weirdest albums I've ever heard, but as far as this year goes, it is very clearly, definitively, to me, one of the best as well. Number 31 is Guts by Olivia Rodrigo. I said something to the effect of this on Twitter in the days that followed the release of Guts, but I will say it here to kind of, you know, get started what it is that I feel as far as a collective summarization of Guts. If you are not fucking with Olivia Rodrigo, you don't know Ball. And sure, you know, maybe I wasn't so high on her 2021 album Sour, but what I feel like Guts did was it took some of the core ideas and elements of Sour and just really built on them and showed the progression that you would expect and hope for somebody to have in their sophomore release. The first single out for Guts was Vampire and 
I am still of the belief that Vampires is one of the best songs of the year. It is one of the best lead singles I have heard in at least like the last five years. And it was the perfect song to just really let me understand that Olivia had progressed so much in the past two years as a singer, a songwriter, a mind, and just anything that has to do with music. She excelled and exceeded any expectations that I could have set coming out of Sour. She still has a great sensibility when it comes to like having a, a pop punk influence or just a punk influence altogether over her songs because the two songs that start off guts, All American Bitch and Bad Idea Right, they're laced with those, uh, those cadences. And I, I feel like Olivia just, you know, kind of spent this time really fleshing out what it is about Sour and the alternative direction she wanted to take her music into, she refined all that, and, you know, you get those two songs as a result. Um, Get Him Back is a song that I've not been able to get out of my head since first hearing it, and, you know, the commercials definitely don't help when it comes to, you know, moving off in that song, but I don't want to move on from Get Him Back, because I feel like Get Him Back is, at the very least, my second favorite track on here behind Vampire, and it is just so catchy, it has the exact kind of teenage angst you would expect to hear out of a record like this, and it just really does that sound perfectly, in my opinion. And there are still so many other layers of guts that you need to unpack to get the full picture of what it is that Olivia achieved. Um, the two closing songs, Pretty Isn't Pretty and Teenage Dream, I feel like these were the two best notes she could have ended on. Pretty Isn't Pretty has like almost a shoegaze effect to its sound and overall delivery. And then Teenage Dream spends much of its buildup being this very like cathartic piano ballad that Olivia got to close the album with. And I feel like it was just the right direction, the correct course of action for Guts. And, you know, like I've been saying, she really showed a lot of improvements coming out of Sour. And I am fully on board with Olivia and I want to continue to see her be the biggest star in the world because at so many points in the rollout for Guts and then even the months following, that is what she has felt like and deservedly so because she is immensely fucking talented. And that's it for now for this part. Uh, those are records 40 to 31 and then now we have three more parts to go. Uh, part three, 30 to 21, part 4, 20 to 11, and then the finale, part 5, covers records 10 to 1, and that episode, at the end of it, we'll see the record that receives the third annual Mikasa and Historia Award for Ulterior. There's still a lot to go, a lot for me to waffle about, a lot more opportunities for me to lose my voice, so we'll see how it holds up, we'll see what happens, you know, it'd be what it be. Thank you for listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and... As always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene. 